Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Good morning. It is morning for me, and I am so happy to welcome you back to my Bard of Hudson podcast. Woohoo! I am so enjoying doing this these days during my crazy residencies and all of that stuff and my wild voyages. Probably by the time you hear this episode, I'm going to be somewhere up in the wilds of Scotland, looking around, poking around, sleeping in my camper van. And I will also report on those adventures in real time. But for today, as I record this, I am still in the countryside of Worcestershire. And I'm looking out my window and it's actually sunny. That's an incredible thing. I think it's going to be raining again later today. But the sun is out for this morning. So I have done my laundry. And also my host, Jackie, has done laundry today because I can see the sheets that were on my bed yesterday hanging up on the laundry line today out in the sunshine. So hopefully there will be enough sunshine to dry all of those things before the rain comes. But I am going to go off this afternoon to this adorable town that I saw on my way up here called Upton upon Severn. And I might have mentioned it earlier, but it's just lined with such cute little shops. And I'm looking forward to just having an afternoon of shopping. What the heck? I've been working hard. It's okay. It's okay to take time off, Diana. I have to tell myself this once in a while because I have a lot of guilt about that. A lot of guilt. Yes. So where we are in this story is this crazy cusp, the end of 1999. There was so much heated nervousness and huge amount of energy building up there at the end of the millennium. And meanwhile, for me, for us, we had made this huge shift in our family where Dave and I were no longer living in the same house. I was in this wonderful little cottage that I had somehow miraculously scored. And Dave was still down in the summer of 99. He was still down in Charlotte putting the last parts of the deal of selling our gigantic house together. I don't even remember how that happened. I was so detached from all of that because I was living my happy little cottage life up the hill from my mom's house. And it was a whole different enclave. There were like these broad expanses of yards up there with no fences in between them. There was one huge sort of old Victorian house that kind of commanded the hillside. But then Grace's cottage and Grace's home was this sprawling 
bunch of buildings. Grace's home was this crazy brown ramshackle thing that looked like it had been put together through a couple of different building additions. And then she had added on different studios and such. She was a wonderful artist and she had a friend living there named Jane who was a potter. So there was this interesting lean-to that had been turned into an outdoor wood-fired kiln. So every now and again there would be a wood firing and the fire going for 36 hours had to be stoked, had to be attended to by somebody the entire time. So Jane and her husband stayed up all night long stoking the fire so that the kiln would fire the pots and they came out so beautiful and so interesting. So many people in Sneedon's Landing had full sets of Jane's pottery as their household pottery. It was a little too expensive for me, but I had a few pieces and I loved them so much. And we were becoming part of that wonderful artistic enclave. In fact, in the summertime, my kids and I, there was a an upturned tree root with all of the roots and the dirt still sticking out of it in one part of the yard. And the kids and I spent an entire afternoon constructing a fairy home. And it was such fun. We made little tiny gates and bits of furniture and it was just lovely. We had such a beautiful time making that. And I'll never forget that. But as I started to contemplate what Savannah and Dakota's social life was looking like now, I realized that as soon as school time hit, most of their good friends were going off to private schools. So we had Bree, Mary, and Elizabeth, who were Milbury's girls. And Elizabeth and Bree were going off to a private school. Mary was still in preschool and such. Well, first grade, I guess because she was another six months younger than Dakota, so she was a year behind him in school. And Savannah and Dakota also had another set of siblings who were dear friends of theirs. Peter, who was a little younger than Savannah, and he played with Bree and Savannah all the time. And Anna, who was just a couple of days younger than Dakota, and they had been born to our friends Lisa and Misha, and they had a little baby sister also, Sophia, and they were dear friends, but they were going off to another private school as well. So suddenly I was like, well, how are my kids going to be with their friends? How do I bring them all back together? What kind of activity would we all be doing together so that they can continue these friendships, which have meant so much to them, especially before they left for Charlotte? And I thought back to a time when I was in middle school and I was this little friendless weirdo. Not that Savannah was that at all. Savannah was going into fifth grade and Dakota was going into second grade. And I tried to think, what was I doing around that time when I was a kid? And I realized that the thing that brought me together with the friends that I loved the most was the Shakespeare group. It was the best part of my childhood in that period because it helped me to transition over some very difficult things, which was when my mom moved back into our house. If you want to hear more about that 
You can go back to some of the earlier episodes. There's one particularly called Why Mom Didn't Live With Us and such like that. So take a listen back there and you'll hear what I mean by that. But I had a very difficult transition period right around age 11 and 12 as well. And so I realized that there was a big parallel here and that maybe the same thing that helped me would help my kids get through this difficult period in their life. And that was the Children's Shakespeare Theater. And I thought, we need something just like that. Who's going to start that? Who can we convince to start that back up? And as I looked around at my friend set and thought about the people that I associated with, I thought there is absolutely nobody else who loves Shakespeare in the way that I do, who would be willing to take on this crazy project. So I resolved to try myself. I had no idea where to start. I had no idea how the whole thing would be put together at all. But I decided to propose it to my friends as a temporary solution. And it was a crazy ask. My friends were like, Shakespeare? Is that what kids would want to be doing now? You know, there was 20 years in between the last time the kids of this neighborhood had done Shakespeare and now. And I just had this passion for it and convinced them that when I was a kid, this was great. I love the words. I love the stories. And I think I can get our kids to love them too. And they will have fun. And we'll have fun together. And that's all that matters. So I was able to pull some of the kids from my friends. Elizabeth, Mary, and Bree were on board. Peter and Anna were on board. And slowly I convinced others that, hey, this might be a great idea. But then I was trying to figure out, how do I get the kids to understand the words? What, what do I do? And I needed some guidance. So I looked around to see if there were any classes for somebody teaching Shakespeare somehow. And I found this incredible company called Shakespeare and Company that was up in the Berkshires. And I just happened to see an ad for them. And I decided that's it. That's what I want to do. I want to take a class with them and that will be some kind of beginning stepping stone. So late in the summer, Dave took the kids to Sunset Beach with his family for the first time without me. And this could have been a terrible moment for me of separation, of weeping, of grief. But instead, I decided to fill it with learning. Rather than wallow in my misery, I took a four-day class with Shakespeare and Company that was specifically for teachers who wanted more tools in figuring out how to teach Shakespeare to their classrooms. I wasn't there yet, but I was just about setting out on that journey. And that's when I met this dynamic and exciting mentor that would go on to be a shining example for me in the Shakespeare world. And that was Kevin Coleman. Years later, he was the first person to win a Tony Award that had just been established for excellence in theater education. And when I heard about that Tony Award category, 
I applied also. This was many years later. But then when I heard that Kevin won it, I was like, well, of course, that makes sense. He's the most magnificent Shakespeare teacher I have ever encountered. So I was lucky enough to study with him early on and many times after that. And I'll tell you all about that as it goes forward. Thank you for joining me today. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.